This is Annie Grace, and you're listening to this Naked Mind podcast, where without judgment, pain, or rules, we explore the role of alcohol in our lives and culture. Hi, it's Annie Grace, and welcome to this Naked Mind podcast. So today I was able to do an amazing interview with the guys from the podcast called The Grind. And it was so good, and there was so much wisdom shared and so many laughs shared that I thought, all right, I don't do this often, but I have to just share this interview on my podcast because it was really phenomenal. It was an honor to talk to these guys. So I hope you enjoyed as much as I did, and have a wonderful day. How does one live a life of definite purpose, true fulfillment, and absolutely no regrets? Let's embrace fear, pain, problems, and what we like to call the suck. Welcome to the grind. Oh boy, we are excited for all of our listeners today on Facebook, on the podcast. We have Annie Grace, author of This Naked Mind, Control Alcohol, Find Freedom, Discover Happiness, and Change Your Life. Annie, welcome to the grind. Oh, thanks guys. This is awesome. I'm so, so glad to be here. Yes. And by the way, I'm trying, I just want to start this out because I'm trying to figure out how in the heck you hypnotized me to <laughs> not drink ever again. It's the weirdest thing. I do want to tell you a quick story on how I found out about your book. I went to a thing uh, called Soul Degree, and it was, um, it was actually by a guy named Chris Robbins, and it was in Vermont. This was like early June. Anyways, through discussion, it's like a guy's retreat. It's awesome. And just at one of the dinner tables, he said – we were talking about books that changed our life. And he goes, he, he brought, he goes, you know what? Uh, everybody's got to read this naked mind. He goes, I got done with that book. And for some reason I didn't want to have another drink ever again. And I'm like, that's crazy. Like, okay, that's pretty, you know, profound statement. And uh, so anyways, honestly, I don't know how you do it. And that's why I'm excited for you to share with our listeners. Like, I don't know if there's some crazy magic in there, but you really do <laughs> through that book. I got done with it and I was like, whoa, okay, I'm, I'm done. So what, I mean, what, what is it? And you kind of bring it up about the subconscious and stuff in the book. And I know Jason, when we were talking last night, he said the same thing. I told him about the book and Jason's like, I got to read this thing. And then uh, he read it and he's like, well, well I'm, I'm basically done too. And it's like, how? Oh. so, so I mean, what the heck? Obviously, a lot of research <laughs> into that, but that's amazing that it has that powerful of a what it what what's going on there? Seriously. Well, I mean, it really is at the core the fact that I had this one moment. And it was this big epiphany that I consciously just wanted to be drinking less, and I had this this theory that my unconscious mind had not gotten the memo, that unconsciously, subconsciously, I had all these beliefs that alcohol was like key to enjoying life, key to relaxing key to having sex, key to networking, all this stuff. And so even though I consciously wanted to drink class, I just had all these beliefs that were keeping me back from that. And um, when I was writing the book, I was like telling my husband, I was like, I feel like I'm trying to do like brain surgery, you know, like trying to like remove these thoughts and ideas from people. And I don't know if it's going to work. And, and to be honest with you, I think there probably is some magic in it, you know, in the loosest form of the word, because 
I remember putting it out there in the first two weeks, I gave it to a bunch of my friends and I was like, oh my gosh, what if it doesn't work? What if people like don't have a, a change or like, what if it doesn't work? Like what if everything I said isn't true? And it was probably the most nerve wracking two weeks of my life. And then people started coming back and being like, oh my gosh, this is nuts. And I was like, oh, okay. Whatever I, I somehow did it. Yeah. 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 I mean, absolutely amazing. The, yeah, yeah the, the absolute, the, so I actually, we, we, we heard that you were, Joey told me, Hey, we were having Annie Grace on. She wrote a book called this naked mind. I thought, okay, that's cool. So I, I download the book on audible and I'm like controlling alcohol. What, what is this about? This is interesting. And it was, it came to me and at a point in my life, and as where I was, I have kind of been, and I'm going to be honest with you guys. I, I, I told Joey, I'm like, yeah, I pretty much don't want to drink anymore. But, but, and like we were talking about last night, the pull is different for everybody. You know, it is. And it's, it's, it, alcohol is addictive and it's going to, it's going to pull you back. And it's how do you have control of your subconscious mind? Do you have control over the thoughts of it's four o'clock in the afternoon? I'm tired. I'm, my body hurts. I want to drink. You're like, wait a second, why do I, wait a second. No, I just told myself yesterday I wasn't going to drink anymore. And it's literally like it came, this book came to me in a point in my life where it's probably been a year where I don't drink a ton, but I've kind of started to go down the same path that you talk about in the book of like, oh, you know, you drink a couple glasses of wine and I started to drink wine, which is really weird. Uh, a couple glasses of wine. Well, because, of the health, because of the health Because of the health benefits, because of the health benefit, right? You're yeah. like, it's more, you're more, it's, it's, uh. It's not as frowned upon to drink yeah. wine as it yeah, is yeah. some of the other things. So started to drink a little bit more and a little bit more. And then, I, you know, I had a couple of days, a couple of, during the week where I drink a bottle of wine, just hanging out watching TV. And I'm like, what the hell am I doing? You know, you start to question you, what, do you, what you're doing. And, and so it's really, really, uh, what do we call it coincident, fate, whatever, that this, this book came to me at that time when I actually have really been struggling with it. And it really helped me understand that, hey, maybe it's not just, maybe it's not just me. Maybe it's actually the drug. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah well, and Annie, it's funny because your journey is very similar. I mean, I think it's also because you get, you get real, which is awesome. And you can just tell in the tone of your voice, and I've seen some of your videos and stuff, just after reading the book and kind of researching you a little bit, it's cool because that really helps when, when you're, you're really, you know, you're real. I mean, you know, it's, 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 you have a real story that I think a lot of people live that story where, you know, meaning they're working, they're doing the thing. I mean, just like they live that journey, especially in your industry marketing, we're in sales, you know? And so it's just like happy hours and just like, it's like the life we live. And so I think your story just resonates or it definitely resonated with me, resonated with Jason, resonates with a lot of people. And I think it's just awesome because you have to hear these stories over and over again. Now, obviously, now that you're in the limelight of the, from the book, you know, you got to hear this all the time, right? Like just the stories of, of like all different kinds of pulls of alcohol of all different levels. Tell, tell us about that. Like, I mean, what do you experience with that? It's amazing because we all think we're so individual with it. Like we think, oh man, there's something wrong with me. Like, why can't I, I was talking to a girl yesterday 
and she was telling me that um, her husband owns this like big outfitting company in National Geographic, came up to do a whole big thing with them. And so she hadn't been drinking for 15 days. She was doing my alcohol experiment. And then all of a sudden, day 15, this whole big party with National Geographic, she's like, I'll have a few. Next morning, her husband's like, wow, you really embarrassed me. You got chatty, you got like overly friendly, like it was really embarrassing and stuff. And she's sitting there like, why, why is this happening to me? What's wrong with me? I'm so embarrassed. And yeah. I think that over and over and over again, we're so embarrassed. The default in our society is to say, okay, something's wrong with me because I can't control it. Where like, that's so ludicrous because we're saying, I mean, is something wrong with you if you can't control your brain getting addicted to something that's addictive? Like yeah. that's what we do because we're made up of flesh and blood and bones and you know neurons. <laughs> that's yes. just how it works. And so I think it distills down to every single story has just key themes and they're all the same. There's yeah. five or six key themes and they're all the same for all the people, mm -hmm. you yes. know, but we're, we're sitting here in these very isolated silos saying there's something wrong with me. I'm somehow different than all my well, friends. And you break this down, by the way, I forgive me. Cause I, I keep trying. Sometimes people have asked, you know, of course they'll ask you about the journey and I screw up when I tell what the heck is the word you use for the, cause I only have the audio book. The, the chapters where you break down. And, Liminal. What is it? Liminal. Liminal. I keep saying it. I've said it like 10 different ways and whatever. <laughs> Anyways, well, because people ask me, I say, you know, some of, these, some of these common myths of like, you know, like you said, each person's journey, there's, I mean, you don't want to like simplify it this much because obviously everyone's journey is kind of complicated, but they all have these like six or seven kind of like, they're all in the same thread of some kind, you know, and it's interesting because, you know, I will tell you just real quick for my own thing is that like, I'm not, I didn't make it a thing. That's what's the other kind of cool thing is that like, after I read the book and I'm like, well, you know what, I guess I'm done with this, you know? And I also didn't make it a thing, which is kind of cool. I wasn't like, all right, everybody, I'm done. And it's going to be this huge thing. It was more just like, well, well I'm just not going to the best way. It's the best way. I'm just not going to participate. And I used one of your lines last night. It's funny. So I went to a, we had a team event. We went to a soccer, a big uh, a Minnesota United soccer game. And one of my really good buddies, because of course I'm not advertising this, but I'm at the soccer game, not drinking. And he's like, so dude, like, are you not drinking? And I'm like, and I just love, because I think in the end of the book, you bring up lines you can say. And I really latched onto one because I just love it. I was like, oh, no, dude. I was like, yeah, alcohol really wasn't doing me any favors, so I decided to quit. And he's like, hmm. You know, he kind of just, like, just was like, oh, that's interesting. And then, like, his wife was like, what do, what do you mean? Like, you're not drinking? I'm like, yeah, no favors. So I just stopped. And then, like, our conversation moved on, and I was like, boy, I was like, that Annie Grace, like, she just saved me from, like, going down this path of, like, you have to, like, explain yourself, you know? But, but again, don't people that's also people's fear right is that like oh my gosh like if i make this a thing now everywhere i go i have to explain myself and whatever how have you seen i'm just curious like because that's a tough that's probably the hardest journey is just like the peer pressure the just all these things like you know you give some really good tips in the book as far as like how to combat that but i suppose is that where a lot of people I mean, not only to say fail, but where they're just like, ah, I'm just going to like, screw it. I'm just, yeah. I feel too, too pressury. So I got to just like, I got to dive in and have a drink. Right. Yeah. It's clear to me, like you guys have like so much confidence and persona and stuff. So when you come across like that, it's, 
I mean, those people are walking away thinking, oh my gosh, like he's like a superhero. <laughs> like, like, how did he do that? Because we all think about quitting for time to time or what would life be like if we weren't drinking as much or man, we regret last night's hangover. I mean, that happens to everybody. Yes. So if you're like, yeah, no favors, just quit. They're like, who is he? Does he walk on water? How, like the strongest <laughs> mental person I've ever met ever, right? Yes. But yes. I think when you don't come across with that confidence, it opens up because there's two ways people can look at it. You're a superhero. You've done something I could never do. Or what they like to do because it makes them feel better about themselves is pity you. So if you open up any like, oh, well, you know. Trying just, to quit. Yeah. I, was, I was just, you know, drinking too much and uh, just got the best of me. And then like, okay, I know how to handle you. You fit in my pity bucket. You're one of those people who just can't handle it. Lucky me, I get to keep drinking. Whereas what you did, they're walking away like, dude, okay, that's interesting. That's cool. If he's still happy, wait a second, you know? Yeah, and yeah, and so yeah. I think it's a really different dynamic. And I try to just give people the tools to like not fall in because people like to pity other people because then they feel good, right? But if you come across like that, I mean, you might get aggressive people who are like, well, wait a second. Like, you can't tell me it's not fun. And you know, those people are dealing with the most inner turmoil about their own drinking. You know, when they get really, I, I remember. I had people after I wrote the book and it came out and everybody knew and I, people would walk up to me at a party and they would just come outside and just, you know, I just drink for these reasons. I just drink at these times and everybody all of a sudden was telling me all, all the reasons they drink. And they're just, I'm like, I, I don't care. That's cool. Whatever you want to do, you <laughs> right. know, but yeah, yeah. I think that people have such internal dialogue that they want to really uh, defend and express and, and kind of, find some peace with their drinking. And those are always the people that don't have peace with their own drinking. Oh, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's very, well, it's tough because, you know, in obviously with everybody's journey being different and, and there are these things that kind of go through you when you're reading the book and you say this, and it's really interesting because Jason and I were talking about it last night and I said, well, what's kind of cool too is that I could also along with any vice, fatty foods, whatever, I could, if I wanted to, here's what's real. I mean, I could choose like, well, you know what, tonight I am going to have one. Like, because mm -hmm. I, I know the repercussions of this. I'm making this choice, whatever. It's kind of not like a, Hey, do or die. Or you like, you, you know, you, you bring up AA a lot and, and how they, uh, what's the statement they say. I, everybody has to say, you know, I'm Joey and I'm al al alcoholic or whatever. And um, it's, it's not that though. I think one of the, yeah. And one of the questions I have for you and one of the points of the book is you don't, you'd really, you wanted to be free from the pull. You didn't want to have to live the rest of your life sacrificing and uh, not, not being able to drink or you're, you know, going to a party and being, oh man, I'm, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to drink at this party. I'm probably not going to have any fun. And just, you know, or trying to avoid situations where alcohol was present. You wanted to be free from that. Can you dive into that, the philosophy of that? Because that is one of the biggest pieces of the book that really caught me. And I thought, hmm, you're not, you're not necessarily, uh, you're not missing out on anything. It's, it's more right. of a mindset shift, right? Mm, yeah. So I have a one-year-old daughter and I'm going somewhere with this, but I have all these colored pens and I love colored pens. And so she gets a hold of a colored pen and they're, they're dangerous for a one-year-old. And as soon as I start to take it from her, she holds on so tightly and she scrapes and yells and gets really pissed, right? But 
if I just distract her with something else, then I can very gently take the pen away. And that's how our minds work. And so this idea of I'm never going to drink again, it is in direct opposition of how the human mind works. I do not say I will never have another drink. I say like, I can drink whenever I want to, and I just haven't wanted to in four years. And like, that's true for me. And as soon as I say, oh, even when I'm 90 and my great granddaughter is getting married, I'm not going to have champagne at her wedding. Like I'm destining myself to that thing. Like I just like, I like grab the pen, right? And so I don't want to be grabbing the pen. I don't, I want to be peaceful about the pen. I don't want the pen to be important in my life. I want it to be like small and irrelevant. And so I just have really tried to work with how the mind works and the mind works that we don't deal well in absolutes. And by the way, if you say, I'm never going to drink again, guess when you know you're successful? You never will. When, when you're you dead, you never yeah, will. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. totally. Yeah. Well, so because, you know, it's interesting. Uh, I, I can't remember who told me this once, but it's kind of the same thing when you're on a diet and you say uh, someone, some, you go to, go to anything or whatever and somebody's like, hey, here's this awesome piece of chocolate cake. And you're like, oh, I can't. And it's because like, so, so as soon as you say I can't do something, like it's, it's kind of admitting like you're, it's that restriction or whatever. But when you're like, oh, no, I don't eat chocolate cake right now, right? It's kind of like your brain being like, no, you know, I don't do that. I don't associate with myself with that right now. You know, it doesn't mean like down the road or, what, or whatever. So it's weird that you... Again, hypnotically, this, I don't know how you do it, but, but it, it is, it's like this, it is almost like a brain hack in a way, like, because you know, like your brain will kind of almost sabotage, it will sabotage you and you're going to get all screwed up. So it's a, it's a brain hack really. And, and I want to dive into the, the part where you talk, you spoke about, because I've done this, you, you spoke about the 3am, waking up at 3am regretting why did I, what, what, like, why did I drink the night before? And then you're like, I'm not, I'm totally done. I'm done drinking. You know, I'm not going to drink anymore. And you, you have to go the next day hungover and you feel like crap and you're tired. And then by four or five o'clock, you get in that same cycle. And all, how many of us go through that? That same exact thing. You wake up that hangover and you're like, oh man, that was stupid. What was I thinking? Why, why would I do that to myself? And then by five o'clock, you fall into that same routine and that same pattern. Can you, can you tell us a little bit about what that was like for you? And, and so, and, and then just dive into the, the idea of once you just make that decision, I'm going to give this up. All of a sudden you desire it more and you crave it, you crave yeah. it more, you know, it, when, when, when you're going through that, that addiction phase or whatever you want to call it. So. Yeah. I mean, that. I lived in that place for a really long time, longer than I care to admit, probably a few years of completely divided, like two people living in my head, you know, the one at 3am who was making these promises, who is definitely never going to do it again, who was so mad at myself, so much disappointment. And then the one at 5pm who was like, whatever, no big deal. Everybody's doing it. And by the way, I love drinking. So like I firmly believe that I love drinking and firmly believe that I hated drinking. And I have this theory that that internal conflict, that cognitive dissonance, it's like at the source of a huge amount of stress and pain. And guess what we do as drinkers to relieve stress and pain is we drink. So it's like this perpetual cycle that's, that's really intense. And so actually when I had this theory, I had this moment, I was in the train station in London. I was like, Oh my gosh, I think this has to do with my subconscious mind. And, um, I decided in that moment to stop trying to stop drinking. Mm. 
And it was a big aha for me because that cycle was keeping me incredibly stuck. Number one, I didn't believe myself anymore. It's like the little kid who, mm -hmm. you know, don't hit your sister, don't hit your sister, don't hit your sister, but the parent never actually enforces the rule. I told myself don't drink every single day for probably a thousand days in a row and never actually did it. So I just didn't believe myself. I had no credibility, no credit with myself, no, no ability to say no to myself. And number two is I just repeatedly created that forbidden fruit syndrome. And I said, it would be a totally different experience if I didn't have these two different humans living in my own head, if I could unite them together under one common thing. And I believe that I could do that by really educating myself because I remember it so vividly, like there wasn't a time, there was a time in high school, I didn't need alcohol to really have a good time. You know, um, there was just a time when you were when a kid. Yeah, when you were younger, when you were a kid, you kid. talked about that when you in the book and I, that was, that was huge for me. That, yeah, that you look at our that. kids, they're like, yeah. they're, they're cool, right? They don't need it. They, I mean, I just talked to like five 18 year olds who didn't really drink about this whole thing, like giving them the knowledge I wish I would have had. And they're like, wow, this is amazing. Like, I had no idea it could actually steal my ability to feel joy. Like, what? Like, how is that, you know, and that's <clears throat> what happens. And so I don't know, it's just this. Yeah, when you so I stopped trying to stop. Is, is the bottom line. Yeah. And then I took a year of like no rules on myself, no rules. And I, well, a year and then the rest of my life with no rules. But, but that year I was like, no rules. All I'm going to do is commit to learning. That's it. Yeah. And that's how yeah. the book works. And that's how like any program works is like at the beginning book, I said, do not, do not stop drinking. Like, don't do it. You're just going to yeah. make it work. Right. Read the book. That's your only, only job right now is to read the book. Yeah. And then by the yeah. end, you can make your conscious decision. Yeah, when you talk true. about when you talk about that's continuing true. to learn too, I actually finished that book and I was on Instagram and an ad came up for Audible and the book called Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself popped up and I thought, hmm, this is interesting. And so I just decided to buy it and started to listen to it that same day. And basically the book is about um, the difference between your conscious and subconscious mind. Exactly. So it dives in deeper uh, into that idea and then into uh, meditation practices of actually breaking the habit of being yourself. And I, from that book and from reading your book, I actually started to meditate and started to actually try to break some of these bad habits that I have, uh, which are, which are plenty. <laughs> and so, uh, but it's just crazy how you talk, you know, continuing to learn. Right. So that's my journey. All well, that's awesome. I'm like, you go down that, you read that initial book and then, Hmm, that's interesting that this book popped up. That sounds interesting. Listen well, to that whole book. And I'm like, okay, now I'm on a journey where I can actually uh, meditate and try to try to break some of these cycles inside of me. And Amazon, here's the thing. Amazon knew. They're like, oh. You I think, know they did. You think Annie Grace changed your life? Check this one out and check this one. That's how they do it, you know? But No, but here's the thing. It's so, it, it is funny though, and Annie, that you said this because uh, I, I do love how in the beginning, because you, you go into it with this expectation, like, oh, what's this book going to be like? And then you're like, all right, everybody, don't stop drinking. Like, you kind of yeah. almost say it like flip, not flippantly. You obviously had, were very purposeful with that, but it kind of catches your attention. Like, well, mm -hmm. okay, well, I guess I'm not going to. I'll just kind of keep doing this, you know, doing this thing. Um, but, you know, yeah, I pay do. Attention. Pay attention to yourself is what you really, what you talk about. Pay attention yes. to your habits. Pay attention to your routine. Yes. Pay attention to your thoughts, right? Because can this not, here's the thing. I'm assuming you, you have used this hack, this way of com combining the two brains after you did this research. 
into multiple different things in your life. And maybe not, but I, but I can see how you could. You could take the same thing and be like, okay, well, th this totally works here. Let's bust it out here, whether it's diet or it doesn't even matter. It can be any habit. It's the same. It's the same, right? I mean, it, you. It's the same. I, I do caution people to be really gentle because we do, we have this thing again, the human brain says, oh, I'm doing this one great thing. So let me go ahead and start waking up at 5 a.m. and running 10 miles and doing yoga every day and meditating. Yeah. And like, so, and then we set ourselves up for failure because it's just impossible because we all have this idea of, I'm going to be this person who, you know, weighs 25. And when we see one domino kind of falling down, we're like, all right, gravitate to everything. So I always tell people to be really gentle, you know, and often alcohol, just like you explained, is the big domino. So you do the big, big domino and then guess what? It frees up time that you're not numbing all of your feelings. So your feelings are there and they're good and they're bad and you have to actually deal with them. And then you have to build skills to deal with them. And then you like learn how to be a better human being. And it's amazing. But alcohol is this big domino. Um, that being said, now four years on, like I don't really eat sugar anymore and I don't drink coffee anymore. And all those things were the very same method that I used, you know. Right. And if right. I could clone myself, I'd have all those books coming out. But so far, you know, <laughs> I just have ideas. <laughs> yes. No, no, you know what? When you said like, when, I, I can just imagine like when you said, and I don't drink coffee anymore and everybody's like, we're out of here. Like we're out. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> No, but no, here's the, here's the thing though. Check this out. One of the things I, I love that I, I think is so, uh, it's just a very powerful concept that you just, you, you bring it up right at the end of the book. It's the story of when you discovered, um, where you, it was like a work event and you didn't, you weren't drinking and then you were like, oh my gosh, you like went back to your hotel and you're like, oh no, like I'm not drinking. I didn't enjoy myself. Like, ah, oh, you know, and you had this moment. But then you realize, you're like, well, wait a second. Like, would I go hang out with those people? Like, if I was just like, would I just go hang out and say, hey, come on over and let's have game night. And you were like, and not to downplay those people. I don't know if those people are still in your life or not. But, you know, it's like, you know, it, it's, no, I wouldn't. And so I was actually not enjoying myself, not because of the no alcohol. I was just not enjoying myself. And I was like, Oh, you know, it's just, it's just so funny because you know that concept and that makes sense and it's so simple. But I was talking to my wife about it after I, after I finished the book and I was like, you know what? Like now with this clarity of like, now you know, I'm either enjoying myself or I'm not. And right, it's, it's, black, it's total black and white. Like it's, I'm, I'm either having fun or I'm not. And I don't have alcohol kind of clouding that and getting that all all jumbled up right and because right away as soon as you start drinking like that's it screws up your ability to decipher like is this a good time or is this not and boy is that like some clarity but it sounds like you struggled like you were like oh I can't figure this out but then that was such a huge epiphany you had like right there like in a blink of an eye because wasn't that was that right after you had kind of decided like I'm done yeah and it was actually not my epiphany. It was, I called my husband oh. and I was like, I had such a bad time tonight. And he was like, and I think it's always helpful from the external point of view, because internally I'm like, I made this one big change. Now I'm not having fun. These two things must be absolutely connected. Yes. Like yeah, I couldn't yeah. see yeah. the fact that, you know, the people know they're not in my life because they're not actually people I would want to be around, you know, on a really regular basis. And, um, and so he's like, well, wait a second, would you, would you be having fun in that situation anyway? And I was like, 
Wow, that's a really good question. And I think we do, we give alcohol so much credit, so much more credit than it deserves for all of these things. But the truth is, is that, you know, a lot of times, like, you can tolerate a lot when only half your brain is there. I mean, alcohol by definition slows down your neuro, your neurons ability to like communicate with each other. So it slows down your bit brain's ability to think and process information from your senses. And so without you being able to quickly process things, the, the amount of stuff you can tolerate that is not all that great is massive. Yes. And I mean, it's sometimes people end up getting out of really unhealthy marriages once they stop drinking, you know, because they're like, wow, I am not going to tolerate that abuse anymore. I'm not going to tolerate. And I hear all of these sorts of stories yeah. and it's beautiful, but it's so intense for the person because they're like, alcohol did this. I was like, no, alcohol put you in a situation where you compromised yourself as a human being, you know, and I have women too, who say, well, I don't know how to like go have sex on, on, you know, I was like, do you want to be having sex on the first date? Really? Is that what you want for yourself? And they're like, well, no, but I just can't do it anymore now that I'm not drunk. I was like, well, that's a really good thing. And guess what? Talk to me fifth or sixth date when you do have sex. Yeah. Let me know how it is. And then I get a call back and they're like, okay, this is amazing. <laughs> like, oh, that is so awesome. I mean, that is so awesome. That's why, that's why, what, what you, okay. So, and I, and uh, what year did you write this, by the way? So, cause it, um, when, so I, it was published in 2015. I wrote it 13 and 14. Okay. Published. Okay. So you're, you're th kind of three years in post book. Um, yeah, those stories, just hearing those, because well, what's interesting is, is, is along with life, sometimes you can just ask a, uh, ask a very good question like you did for that, like, well, do, do you actually enjoy that? Or like, do you want to do that? And then it's like, no. And then you kind of just like silence, like, okay, well, there's, there's your answer to that, you know? And everybody is so, so it's weird because you come from a, if I remember correctly, you come from a marketing background, right? Martin, yes. all Martin. So, so here's the thing is that this is the travesty that, that Jason and I, and, and other people that have read this book and I've kind of discussed with, uh, it, that's almost like the mammoth we can't fight. Right. I mean, you're fighting like this militia. I mean, right. You're, you're like the militia right now fighting this like guerrilla war because how can, I mean, Oh, how do you stop that? Because I also started recognizing after you, after reading it, like, oh my gosh, like it's everywhere. Everywhere. Like, you can't, you can't get away from this billions. I don't know how much you said, and it's probably more since you wrote the book. I don't know, but there was like billions of dollars go into tricking us. Like you need this, like you need this to enjoy yourself. You need this, to, this is the, what do you call it? The elixir, like the elixir is, of life, yeah. The elixir of life, like, how do you combat that? Or don't you, or it is, I guess it's one person at a time, one podcast guest, I mean, one, right? I mean, is that almost an insurmountable thing to, to tackle? Yeah, I think I get, I think I got real discouraged at first because I had all this knowledge and then I'm walking around like, oh my gosh, like, ah, <laughs> you know? Like, what is happening? How is this happening? Um, you wake up from the matrix and everybody's still in there and you're like, unplug, unplug. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Anytime somebody does a matrix analogy, I, it's the best. I'm, I'm just immediately in love. <laughs> absolutely. <Yes>. absolutely. <laughs> uh, so I think, it, and I try, now I just try, yeah, just to be like, 
we have to go through it to get to get out of it. You know, drinking is increasing at an all out rate and more and more people are waking up to the fact that it's not making them happy anymore, that it's not doing what it said on the tin. Like it's, it's not delivering the goods that all of these advertisements promised it would. And, you know, we think we're immune to these advertisements because we think, okay, that's stupid. You know, I'm not going to drink that bottle of tequila and have a threesome, but it isn't really the conscious that it's working on. It's a subconscious and alcohol is the single largest ad spend category in the US, occasionally beat out by motor vehicles, but mostly it's alcohol. Insane. And that's because it works, you know? So it, the, the most heartbreaking one I saw two days ago for the first time, um, and I will throw a Target under the bus, is basically in Target now you get your cart, you open up the child seat, and there's a decal of a glass of wine, which, or a bottle of wine laying sideways. So basically subliminally it's saying, hey mom, wouldn't you rather have a kid here or your wine here than your kid? Number one. Number two, it's so specifically targeted at moms during the most stressful part of their day, shopping with their kids. Oh and it's like, oh so, and I see all this because I was in the industry. Like I was in the industry with the psychologists and this, you know, people who would go in and say, how do the human brain work? How do the behavior work? How can we get people cut them where they're already down where it's deepest so that they will buy? And yeah. I guarantee you wine sales are up at target. It's That's genius from a marketing perspective, but it's. That is well, and I suppose all mark. Yeah. It's interesting when you say that, that it's very, all marketing really is the subconscious. I mean, it's tackling the subconscious. Cause you're right. I mean, you do, you see these, like right afterwards, I saw like the like sexiest like bourbon billboard, and it was actually like so dumb. And I'm just like, right. and I, I'm just like, this is so. I mean, like, it doesn't even make any sense. And that, but that again, that was my conscious mind being like, that thing would never get me. It's so dumb. And then, but it is. It's it's so repetitive, and you're seeing it everywhere. And and it's amazing. So so I didn't really realize that for some reason. Maybe it's because I'm in my like euphoria of like 50 days in that I'm just like, oh no, I feel like people are not drinking or, you know, but I mean, I can still see it, but it's still increasing. Like, is that actually, that is actually the stat? Like it is still on and up. Mm -hmm. Cause maybe you, maybe you said it in the book, but I mean, now it's three years later and that stat hasn't changed or it's gotten uh, worse. It's getting worse. It's, it's, it's getting worse, but it always gets worse before it gets better. So that's kind of where I take heart is that always, we have to go through it. We have to experience the pain for ourselves. We're not mm -hmm. cheap. We can't just be told, okay, this is bad for you. I mean, prohibition did not work for a reason because in America, we value personal freedom mm -hmm. above pretty much anything else. And so that's never going to be the way, right? So I think the way is for me, for you, is that just not walking by that sexy bourbon advertisement and just like dismissing it, walking by it and saying, taking the 15 seconds to say, oh, wow, like that's crap, that's, that's intense. Mm -hmm. uh, how much did that cost? Must be working, you know? And just bring that into your conscious mind and it smashes it in your unconscious. I mean, the unconscious is so beautiful because all you have to do is bring, bring it up to where you can consciously manipulate it and think about it and then poof, disappears. Yeah. That's the magic part. Well, and I like the analogy to the tobacco industry because it's, it's very similar. It's an addictive product that's not good for you. And, that's now, in, that's, and now, in, now in society, tobacco is kind of frowned upon and it's on, the, it's on a downward trend while alcohol is still celebrated and it's, it's an everyday thing and just about everybody does it. Whereas 50 years ago, everybody, everybody smoked cigarettes. 
So it's, it, it does correlate. And what are your thoughts about the future of alcohol? Yeah. Do you feel like, yeah, do you feel like there is a path where that could actually happen in America with alcohol? Yeah, I do. I think it will be different. I think it won't be as, um, I think it will be a lot more people waking up to being much more mindful. And I think it's going to happen with the majority. And interestingly, according to the CDC, only 10% of people who, what they say, excessive drinkers, and that's like eight plus drinks a week, um, are chemically addicted. So Mm -hmm. it's not, we have so many resources in the recovery area for, you know, people who are in that 10%. We have rehab. It's like a humongous industry. Um, But like we need to talk to the 90%. We just need to get the 90% who are drinking, but just to start talking about this and questioning it. Like if we're sitting down and we're both trying to be in keto, we'd talk about like the carbs, right? But we wouldn't talk about the fact that alcohol is going to cause cancer or whatever else. Like we just, we just need to have that conversation, you know? And, um, and I think, yeah, it does start at a very individual level. And I think that's like the most powerful thing because we're in a, in a point in human history where a guerrilla tactic like this has more um, media ammunition through, hello, we're live on Facebook right now, like for, yeah, yeah. than ever before. Yep. So human to human, what's happening is like, you know, it just gives me chills because, yeah, I totally, I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live in the space that this is going to get better. That's huge. Sure. That's huge. And, you know, it, well, and here's what's hard, though. And this is more of a, like a, a, a personal thing because a lot of the times when I, when I read something like this, you know, and we obviously have this podcast, we talk about self-development and, you know, we're both entrepreneurs. And so like that roller coaster and stuff like this, I love to get really excited and latch onto it and be like, all right, that's it. You know, and I'm like, you know, and all of a sudden, I, you, and you kind of caution this a little bit in there, like, don't be busting out the, like, you know, because it's really easy to be like, all right, that's it, Kendall, my, my wife's name is Kendall, like, Kendall, you got to read this book, we're done drinking, everybody that I know, you need to quit because this book, and then they start asking questions, and of course, I'm not Annie Grace that did all this research, so mm-hmm. I screw it up, I was even screwing up the liminal word, like, so then, then I sound like an idiot, then I'm sitting there arguing trying to you know it's almost like you just have to you have to model it you have to live it you have to choose to be like hey this is the decision i'm making if someone asks kind of like when chris chris we were just talking about impactful books and he was just like this naked mind i didn't want to have a drink after it and it was awesome and like that was actually the end of the kind of at the end of the conversation he Mm -hmm. didn't say like you know somebody was like well why well, because it's a poison. Well, but like, but yeah, but it's got phytochemicals, or you know, and it's like then then that battle continues. So is that how you kind of suggest? Like, I mean, just for our audience, like, hey, if you if you do decide to read this Naked Mind because it is amazing, you know, read it, enjoy it. If you decide to take something and do something with it, don't go there because that could come off. I mean, is that a battle you can't win? I guess is what I'm saying, really saying here. Well, so basically, I mean, I did it from like (laughs) very painful experience of, you know, talk about being the ultimate evangelist for it all because I was Annie Grace Mm -hmm. and I could articulate all the information and it still didn't work. Okay. Okay. I remember spending six hours by the pool with my best friend trying to convince her (laughs) to not drink. We are still Uh, best friends. 
okay, but good, just good. because she's super graceful and nice. And <laughs> it was awful. I mean, I remember somebody coming up to my husband and being like, what's it like to be married to the anti-alcohol evangelist? Oh, gosh. And, um, <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, it was bad. Yeah. So that didn't work. I tried that for a year and that didn't work. And so finally I just totally backed off and I was like, whatever, you know, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna talk to the people who are coming towards me instead of trying to force it on people who are not coming towards me or coming okay. towards it already, who are asking questions already. And then I'll be super open. And then fast forward, um, me, that my best friend who I was just talking about, four other girlfriends from college, we just went to a pink concert. Guess mm. who had a drink? Zero people, zero, none, mm. nobody had a drink. And so that's, you know, four years later, nobody even talked about it. Like it wasn't even like a, you know, it, it just happened. And nobody comes up to me and they say, oh, wow, it was really your book in my friend group, at least. It, it's just basically that, you know, people change do the culture. wake up to it. You change the, yeah, you wake up to it, but you're changing the culture of, of the people you, well, it's the same people you're surrounding yourself with, but the culture changes and it's a yeah. shift of them over time probably not constantly thinking about where's my next drink coming from or okay i need to time this but i want to hear this pink song so i'm gonna have to time my next drink around um you yeah. know after this pink song then i'm gonna go stand in line for the drink for a half hour and mm -hmm. so it's just it's just a culture shift and i think i think for some people like joey it could be like like this snap of a finger i'm done it doesn't do anything for me for other people like me or other where you can one and one of the for me it could might take a little bit longer you know where i'm like I, maybe the pull is stronger for me and other people listening the pull is stronger so it might take a little bit longer but it's about self-awareness and i think one of the things that really caught me listening to the book was how you break alcohol down to be what it really is yes and dive into that for me what is alcohol and what you know and why is it so addictive and and you know like it, so just kind of answer that basic question is what is it i'm going to give you the the um there's so much to say in that but i'm going to give you the most important thing that i wish i would have known that actually isn't in this naked mind <clears throat> because i've learned it since mm. but alcohol is a stimulant and a depressant right and so you're like well how is that possible but we all know it's a depressant, but it also makes us feel like energetic and stimulates us. So how is that possible? Well, how it's possible is you've probably heard of BAC, blood alcohol content. So when you have a drink, your BAC starts to rise. And that's associated with the feelings of like um, euphoria, letting down your inhibitions, kind of a little bit more energy, kind of the good positive feelings, the feelings that hook us. Your BAC will rise for about 30 minutes, 20 minutes on an empty stomach, 30 minutes on a full stomach. And then what happens is your BAC peaks and it starts to fall because your body says, whoa, 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 toxin, need to get this out. In fact, fun fact, your liver stops digesting food and doing any other process to eliminate alcohol because it's so much worse for your body. So it's job one to get the alcohol out. So your BAC starts to fall. A BAC falling is really unpleasant. That's the depressant side of it. That's like anxiousness, uneasiness, don't feel right in your own skin, feel tired, feel lethargic. And so what happens about 30 minutes after our first drink, 20 minutes after our first drink, we order another drink to keep that BAC rising. And we can do that for most of the night, we can space out our drinks, and for most of the night, we can keep our BAC rising to some degree. The problem is, and what we don't see, because most people go to bed after those drinks, is that for one, and this is a kicker, 20 to 30 minutes of BAC rising, you get two to three hours of BAC falling per drink. 
but it mostly happens when we're in bed and then we don't feel great the next morning. We don't feel great for three or four hours in the morning. We feel much worse, but we don't associate it. We don't associate the fact that we're anxious, we're uneasy, we're uncomfortable, we're tired, we're lethargic. Even if we're not, we associate, sure, the nausea and the headache, because yes, we know that's a hangover, but all the emotional stuff, we don't associate with alcohol. Mm. And so you are literally trading 20 minutes of pleasure for two to three hours of feeling pretty shitty. Mm. That's unbelievable. That's, yeah, that's amazing. And people And you really break it down with, with how it is, ethanol. And it's, you know, yeah, yeah. you know, just the percentages, and I know it's obvious, it's obvious, but we don't really think about it like you're drinking a beer and, you know, a tiny, tiny percent of that is the actual alcohol and how nasty that alcohol actually is and tastes yeah. and you're, yeah. until you can really, really break it down and say, oh, okay, so I'm drinking this entire beer so I can get four ounces of, or, you know, not like even, 4%, not four ounces, 4% of that 12 ounces, which is what? like half an ounce, something like that. It's just so so minimal. People don't believe me when I say it's ethanol. I'm like, no, like ethanol, like the stuff that is on the gas labels that goes in your gas tank, like that's what gets you drunk. If you break down, yeah, so you know what? I, I, I actually, as I was reading it, I wanted to ask you that. So you're saying like literally if you broke, like boiled down a beer or whatever to its raw, get rid of everything, I mean, that would be what would be left is, is like just a very finite, teeny tiny amount or whatever of pure ethanol. That is every single alcoholic drink out there, correct? Yes. And there's different types of alcohol. Like there's alcohol, like rubbing alcohol, yeah. too toxic. Can't drink that. It will not like, it will kill you. Right. Ethanol will also kill you in fairly small amounts, but we water it down to the point that we can get the intoxicating effects without dying. Although think about this for a minute. If you drink enough to throw up, that is your body keeping you from dying. Yeah. That is yes. what's happening. That's unbelievable. Yes. And, and everybody, I mean, here's the thing. Anybody, obviously, I shouldn't say anybody that's ever drank, but I mean, in my drinking, drinking career, that has definitely happened. And you don't, you're just like, oh, you know, it's like this bad. It's part of the game. It's part yeah. of the game. Like, oh, I got two tanks and I'm just going to throw it all up. But it's like, no, no, you almost died. And it's like, God dang it, you know, but again, marketing, there's marketing right there. Like all the advert, you know, just the movies and you okay, name hangovers it. Hangovers are totally glorified. I remember feeling like super proud of like, I have a hangover, but I'm going to work at seven. I'm one of the, I'm, I'm <laughs> Oh man, I'm last night, last, last night was so rough, you know, blind you're out the water no, they, talking about the hangover and, you know, especially in, when we were younger, that was just constant. There's a guy, there's a guy, a good buddy of mine, actually, because I'm in the military as well. I've been in for 18 years. And, and there's a guy, he would, he would get completely crushed. And then like the next day would like do a PT test, run two miles and pushups and everything. And it was like, it was like this thing, like this dude's an animal, you know, and we're just like, you know, almost, of course, he's probably, if he ever listens to this too, he's probably going to be like, you dirty, you threw me out of the bus. No, but you know, but it was, it was, it was like, it was glorified like this dude's an animal, but it's like, well, no, you were probably on the brink of like your body completely shutting down and dying, you know, but, but no one went there, you know, no one goes there. And, and that's a travesty. Again, that's that marketing thing coming in where people, I mean, you just, again, it's hard to fight that. So going back to, I mean, really the only way, and we live this way, I mean, just with other different self-development things, it's, 
it's model it, live it. If it is something you are passionate about, which obviously you are in my new journey, I'm, 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 ex I mean, I'm extremely excited about, for some reason, my switch, my personal switch was like, it was like kind of going right as far as like the switch to just be done. But mm -hmm. it, it, would, it kept like going back and just be like, ah, you just, it's okay or whatever. So I'm really glad that the switch has kind of just flipped completely. And now it's just live the life and, and not, maybe not talk about it. But if someone asks, that's really what you're boiling down to. It's, totally. when someone, it's when someone, instead of like getting in this argument, it's almost like, because now I can imagine someone saying like, oh, that's like, like if I said that last night, right? Like, let's say I had that conversation last night and it's like, yeah, it's not doing me any favors anymore. So I decided to quit. And if someone's like, oh, that's interesting. Well, like, I, tell me more. Well, I, I read just, this book, you know, you should write whatever. You know, I mean, that's- They I read will this ask book. you. I put money on it. They will ask you because they're walking away going like, oh man, that's, that's badass. Annie, yeah. and, and to, to with what you said earlier about how, you know, oh, that's badass. That's pretty cool. I was, I was thinking about that after you said it. And then I just, my mind went back to, a guy I work with that's, uh, I think, about 30 years old, and we were actually at the Keller Williams family reunion this February, and every, you know, everybody was, uh, everybody obviously drinks, it's a party atmosphere, and we go out every night, and, and he says, no, I just don't drink. I'm like, oh, do, do, you know, do you just, when, why, why not? <laughs> you know, I was like, why? Why don't you drink? And he's like, ah, oh, just, he, I'm pretty sure he said, eh, it just wasn't doing anything for me anymore. I'm almost positive that's what he said. And I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. And isn't it interesting now, how many months later, seven, five months later, I remember that. Yeah. I, mean, I thought, I thought that's pretty, and you know what I thought? That's pretty badass. So yeah. I did. I actually thought that. So that's like my, you know what you need to make Annie? Like you need to make like, like this naked mind, like shields or like armor. And it says like those things on the back of it. Cause that's almost kind of what, cause that was one of my struggles was when it, when, if people do ask. It's like, God dang it. Now I got to explain myself. But now I bust out this one liner and it's almost like this naked mind, like force field comes up and that yeah. conversation ends. Unless again, unless they do say, Oh, tell me more about that. That sounds interesting. Oh, okay. Well, here's my journey. Tell just a little bit of the story. And it's almost like I just want to have copies of the books and like, Hey, before we get into any discussion, like, let's do this, read this. And then like, I'm going to set an appointment in a week. We'll talk and then we'll talk about it, you know, because you've, you've already done all the hard work for us, right? I mean, you've done the research, you've done the, the debunking all of the myths and all of that. And that's why I think this book is so exciting. Your three years, well, by the way, is there like a, is there a part two? Is there a, what are you doing? Like, what are you, because we only have a little bit of time left. I, I know you, I think you do a lot of speaking in seminars along with it, but or is there, what's phase two of this or is there one? Yeah. So um, the book went so crazy. It got traditionally published. And so they are, uh, we are publishing a new book. It's called the alcohol experiment. So it's kind of even lowering the barrier to enter even more. It's 30 day challenge. It's coming out at the end of this year. Oh, awesome. And there is a free 30 day challenge with lots of like hilarious, like selfie videos from me and stuff. It's pretty um, it's, it's good. It's, it's gritty, but it's at uh, alcoholexperiment.com. So if people just want to do like, you know, dip a toe, see what it's like, that's where I'd go is to alcohol experiment. But I want to share with you um, two, two things. First of all, my favorite quote is like Mark Twain, and I'm going to butcher it probably, but he basically says, whenever you find yourself on the side of the majority, it's time to pause and reflect. 
And I think that's, that's where we are with drinking, like as a culture. And we're like, wait a second, you know, this isn't just a few people, this is everybody. And, you know, it's time to pause and reflect, which I think is really cool. And then the other thing, just like a statistic, and if anybody's listening and kind of like, okay, yeah, well, alcohol's not that bad. Like, I don't really believe it. Like, I think you're, you know, slanting the story or whatever. I just want to kind of share a statistic because I find it really interesting. So we talk about this opiate crisis and it's tragic and it's heartbreaking yep. and it's, it's real. Um, but illegal drugs, all of them combined kill 22,000 people per year. Prescription drugs, including all of the prescribed opiates, all of them combined kill 24,000 people per year. Alcohol kills 88,000 people per year. It's more than twice the amount of all illegal and prescription drugs combined. And so the fact that it's not being talked about, I mean, it has to do with how heavily it's taxed, how much industry is around it. Most, most businesses, restaurants would go out of business if they didn't have the alcohol sales to keep them in business. Um, we are very financially intertwined in this. And, um, but at the sacrifice of, of lives, and health and not even talking about the secondhand, you know, things of 70% of suicides have alcohol in the blood, you know, 75% uh, of child deaths from abuse, the parent was drinking. I mean, stuff like that, not to, not to put a total downer on it, but no, I know there's people listening because we have this thing in our head, like, but I love alcohol, but it's my friend and blah, blah, blah. And so I just want to kind of share like, you know, we're not making it up. It's, it's not just yeah. Me going on a crusade, you know. <laughs> no, no, that's real stuff. That's I do want to wrap up before we wrap up. Annie, talk talk a little bit about and ask the question about the if somebody offered you X, would you quit drinking? Oh yes. So uh, this is a great question. This is Such my favorite part of the whole book. Yes. Um, is just think about this for a minute. If somebody offered you two hundred fifty thousand dollars to never drink again, would you do it? What about five hundred thousand? Would you do it? Could buy yourself a pretty good house would you stop for five hundred thousand dollars and if you are like oh that would be tough i mean there's nothing else that you wouldn't probably just on a dime i would never eat eggs again for five hundred thousand dollars i would never eat apples again i would never drink soda pop again i mean it would be really easy so that's just a symbol that there's something happening chemically inside your brain that is more than i just like the taste or it's just fun with friends and so it's just a little red flag for you. Oh my gosh. Annie, this has been unbelievable. So grateful. I'm so grateful for Chris for recommending the book. So grateful that you were joining us. I know you got probably back to back to back and you give, you know, the cool thing is, is you're busting out the guerrilla warfare, right? You're right. You're in Colorado, but guess what? Now you're in the Midwest, right? Right. The second. And so it's just really awesome that this naked mind you're impacting you've impacted so many lives i and you know this and and you still are and i suppose everyone that you hear about i'm sure you're like that's all oh, like you love it and and it's so it's just really incredible and then you said alcoholexperiment.com correct yeah exactly that's the new and that book so that's coming that's going to be a whole different book coming out end of this year you said yes but the website's up so the whole experiment is live online right now that's amazing. Awesome. Unbelievable. So, hey, hang tight with us just for one sec. Thank you so much. This Naked Mind, Control Alcohol, Find Freedom, Discover Happiness, Change Your Life. Annie Grace, you da bomb. Thank you so much for joining us on The Grind. Thank you, really Annie. Thank you. This has been Annie Grace with This Naked Mind Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. You can learn more at thisnakedmind.com. 
And please remember to rate, review, and subscribe as it really helps us spread the word. Thank you.